When was the last time you sat in a meeting that wasted your time? If you're like most people, probably fairly recently. On today's show, four practices to help you lead effective meetings. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 128. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help us all be better leaders through improved communication, human relations, and personal productivity, tackling the people side of leadership of organizations and business and nonprofits. I'm so glad to have you back with me this week where I am joining you fairly sleep-deprived from having a newborn child at home, but we are doing great. And, uh, you know, it's so much better uh, the second time through as a parent. Some things are harder, but some things are easier too. You learn through the first child some things not to do, and we have our sleep schedules much more staggered than we used to. So I'm up at 2 a.m. on, and Bonnie gets to bed late but uh, we're we're surviving and doing great, and our little daughter is just so much fun and such a sweetheart, and and that's why some of you are getting emails from me at very strange hours of the day. But I'm so glad to be here with you and to continue our ongoing conversation of how we all can be more effective in our communication skills, how we relate with others, and being productive because that's such an important part of leadership. And one of the topics that comes up very consistently with leaders that I work with is running and leading effective meetings. And I I find that this conversation happens a lot. And that's why I was really surprised when one of our listeners, John, had emailed me a few weeks ago and said, hey, do you have a show or do you have resources around leading an effective meeting? And I realized in that moment that as many shows as I have done There has not been a show on leading effective meetings, and it's such an important topic. I can't believe that I haven't hit on it yet, and we haven't had this dialogue before. So I'm glad to come to you today with four practices that I know will be helpful to you in leading an effective meeting. And by the way, it's not limited to four. There's many more, and you'll hear more about that as the episode goes on here. Um, but I thought for before even starting on these four practices to talk about some of the obstacles and challenges and, and even some of the worst offenses when it comes to meetings. And I think just about all of us, if we sit down and we think about it, can come up with a whole list of things that we dislike about going to meetings particularly going to any meetings that's involved in an organization. It is it, it is and often can be very draining. It's one of the biggest complaints I hear from people in organizations is not only the number of meetings that they have to attend, um, but even more so than that, just the, the lack of productivity that happens in so many organizational meetings. And so there are some common worst offenses that come up. And I actually sat down even over the weekend here. We had a friend over at our house who has a position of influence in an organization and just we just sat and did a little brainstorming and talked about what are some of the worst meeting offenses we've seen and we came up with a whole long list in just a couple of minutes and so here's some of the worst offenses I've seen and some of the common things that tend to come up so one of them is having a meeting 
and just uh, deciding that you're going to have everyone share what's going on uh, without any context for how or why or any format as far as reporting. And I was involved with an organization years ago where this was a standard practice to have a weekly meeting. It was usually about an hour and a half. And the way the meeting went, about 80% of the meeting was just to go around the table and for everyone to talk about what they had done over the last week. And uh, some of us, and I, I like to think I was in this group, I tried to be certainly, would would try to do that fairly concisely uh, and say, okay, you know, here's what I did, here's the most important things, and do that in a minute or two. But there would always be a couple people that would go on for 10 or 15 minutes and literally walk through every appointment they had had, phone call. <laughs> And it got to be the point to the point where, um, although I really had a great respect for that leader in that organization, the meeting I was just so disengaged with, and it really cut into my productivity, I felt, uh, as far as being able to be effective. And so uh, that is one big offense that I find is just going around and not really having an agenda or a clear context for why you're going to have people talk about certain things and just to kind of randomly have people talk about what they've spent their time doing. It's not a tremendously value-added thing, and uh, it doesn't really give people a lot of direction for how they're supposed to communicate. A sure warning sign for all of us as a worst offense for a meeting is if we are trying to come up with a topic to talk about for this coming weeks or this coming months meeting. Um, and I've been guilty of it before too, where I was running a weekly staff meeting or a monthly staff meeting in the past and trying to think like, okay, the meeting is Tuesday morning. What's the topic I'm going to talk about this week? Cause I need a topic. And I think that, uh, you know, we all get into this framework, especially those of us who have ever run or run a standing meeting is we start to think, okay, what am I going to spend my time doing at this meeting? What's our topic going to be? How am I going to utilize the time well? And of course, that is really, that's really the wrong way to be looking about the meeting. It, we're not there to serve the meeting. What we should be doing is utilizing meetings to serve our organizational objective. And so if the framework that we're beginning with is trying to think of how am I going to fill time in this meeting? then that's probably not a really value-added time. So that's always a warning sign of <laughs> trying to come up with a topic you need to talk about at the meeting. That is certainly uh, that is certainly something that is an indicator that you may not be running a very effective meeting. Here's another one, is if you spend time in the meeting or been, ever been a part of a meeting where it's just just information sharing. So one person or maybe a couple of people are briefing others on things that have happened, statusing certain individuals, reporting things, walking through reports and slides. Um, some of that is a necessary part of almost every meeting because, of course, we have to have a common framework as we're having a broader discussion or making decisions on something. But if the meeting purpose is to share information on a regular basis, there's usually a better way to do that that's a lot more efficient and effective as far as time and resources, either utilizing electronic media to get that information out, of sending out an email, of uh, having some other way for people to access it or database the information or whatever. 
Um, but pr- the challenge with information sharing is that almost always the information isn't relevant to one or more parties in that room. And that's a perfect opportunity for people to disengage with that meeting. And and speaking of another opportunity for people to disengage is not having a, a clear agenda or worse, having an agenda with way too many items to be able to accomplish in the amount of time that's been specified. And probably the more common thing that I see is not having an agenda for a meeting, or if the agenda's there, it's just in the mind of the person facilitating the meeting. And that uh, that well-intended agenda as that meeting is going on in that person's mind starts changing depending on who's talking and how the conversation goes. And so it's not really clear to anybody what is being discussed, what's the goal of the meeting. And so no agenda is definitely a warning sign for not running an effective meeting, but also is having too many agenda items. If there's 10 items on the meeting agenda and the meeting's 45 minutes, even if each of those things is quick, that's going to be hard to get through. And more often than not, either things get left off entirely, decisions don't get made, or decisions get made in haste, or the meeting goes a lot longer than it needs to go and the time commitments aren't honored. So too many agenda items can be just as troublesome. Another big thing that runs into, we run into problems with these days, and of course, this is the modern version of staying disenga- or being disengaged in a meeting, but it's people on devices. So whether it's an iPhone or a smartphone or, or you know, BlackBerry or laptop or tablet, whatever it is, is so many of us now have access to those things in our pockets more so than we ever did before. And it's so easy to get disengaged in a meeting of just being on a device or having access or texting someone or whatever it is. And then, of course, the one I mentioned up front is just way too many meetings total in most organizations uh, just overutilize meeting time. And this is this is a huge complaint I hear from so many people who lead or in a formal management role is they say, you know, I would love to do the things you talk about on the show. I would love to spend more time of engaging with people and having regular one-on-ones with with people and doing more coaching, and I'd love to give more recognition, but I don't have the time because I am in a role now where I'm required to sit in meetings from 8 a.m. till 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I have literally an hour or so maybe to do quote-unquote my own work or or just at least to get on email and, and respond to what's happened during the day, and, and now I'm working late at night, and I'm barely keeping up with what I've got. And that, in many organizations, is a symptom of too many meetings. And depending on your role in the organization, that may or may not be something that you can directly address. But I think for most of us, we can at least address that for the meetings that we run as leaders. And here's the good news. Here's, I think, what is just a really exciting thing about leading effective meetings is there are a lot of obstacles in so many organizations of things we can and can't do. There are policies and procedures, there's expectations, there's cultural norms. Uh, in, In almost every organization that I've worked with someone, I have inevitably run into the roadblock with someone. They said, you know, I'd love to do that, but my organization won't allow that, or my organization 
won't, um, you know, that's just not the kind of thing that we would spend time doing, or that's not the kind of thing that would be supported. And I do think that there are times that sometimes we don't try hard enough. I know I've certainly haven't of being able to make those inroads, but I also am a realist. And I know that there are times that organizations just don't allow us to be as creative and as, as a, as, um, as proactive as we could be in doing something differently. And the good news is that with running meetings, I've found that that is one area that a lot of leaders get a lot of leeway on. So there may be certain ways your organization has to do something. There may be certain ways you need to report something. There may be certain ways you need to lead and fill out people's professional development reports. And, uh, and there's a lot of things that are scripted, especially in larger organizations. But one thing that I've rarely run into is an organization that has a command and control policy of how an individual manager or leader needs to run a staff meeting. That's something that I found more often than not, people have a lot more leeway and control over how they do it. And and so I think that this for us is a great opportunity to do something a little bit differently and to really think through how we're getting value out of the time that we spend in a meeting and also the time that we that our staff is spending in meetings as well too and so here are four best practices that i found have worked really well for me i know i have appreciated when people who uh, i've worked with have run meetings and have done uh, for the group or organization uh, that was uh, that was running this meeting and this list is not exclusive. There are many more best practices, and I'm sure many of them that you'll be thinking of as I'm walking through these four. But these are four that I found that have been really helpful, and I would encourage you as you're listening to be thinking about what are some other practices that you have that you may want to add to this list, because we may actually go back and formally add to this list later in a future episode. So here are the four. So number one, and I've already hit on this a little bit, but this is such an important practice, is first and foremost, is to determine if the meeting needs to be held at all. I say that because it gets right to that objective of too, you know, us having too many meetings, not engaging with people, and really utilizing people's time well. And so really thinking through in advance, why are we having this meeting? Are we having this meeting on Friday morning because we have a Friday morning meeting every Friday morning for an hour and a half? Or are we having this Friday morning meeting because we are trying to reach a real clear objective for getting together at this particular time and getting these particular people involved in this conversation? And if the reason for getting together is to uh, just fill the meeting time, and that's the real motivator for the meeting, no one ever says that, by the way, but that's often what happens, then my first challenge for you would be to think maybe what would happen if you skipped a meeting once in a while? Maybe not even on a regular basis, but just on occasion. Maybe you skip one a month. Uh, maybe you skip one every couple of months. But what would happen if you skipped that meeting when you started having that thought of what am I going to do for this week's staff meeting and you can't think of anything, maybe that's the time to skip it. So if the purpose of the meeting 
is to just share information or to talk about what everyone's done in the last week, I challenge you that there are probably better ways to do that. There are ways you could do that one-on-one or over email or through a reporting system or through databasing. But there's a way to do that to be able to get information to people without having to assemble everyone on a webinar or get everyone in a room together in order to get that information out. Uh, That can be done a lot more efficiently. And that way, it makes sure that the people who have and need that information have access to it in a great way, but also that we don't spend staff time and resources of dialoguing about something that we can very easily access electronically at another time. Now, if the meeting does need to be held, here's some great indicators for it. One of the things I I think a great way to reason to run a meeting is if you're trying to solve a problem. Um, I love being involved in a meeting where we're doing brainstorming. In fact, uh, I, many of you know that I'm involved with the Dale Carnegie organization and have been for almost 10 years now. And when we meet uh, in person, usually there's two big, two or three big reasons these days. One of them is we're trying to brainstorm a problem. Uh, we're trying to think of, usually it's trying to think of what we can do to make a system better in our organization, to be more effective, to be more efficient, to serve our customers better. And so oftentimes we're getting together to do some brainstorming and to think through a problem. That's the kind of thing that's really a good use of time, much of the time, not always, but much of the time. And that's not something that we can just send out on email. Uh, Yeah, I suppose we could send out a question, but we don't have the ability then to interact with each other to take the the first person's thought and add something new and have to spark an idea for someone else. So brainstorming is a great way to hold a meeting. If that's what you're looking for, having a meeting is a good, good way to do that. Another great re- reason is for training, particularly things that you know, can't be done electronically. So, you know, there's some policy and procedure things or, you know, learning software that a lot of times can be done electronically. But if it's any kind of training involving people Uh, People situations, people skills, customer service, sales, uh, leadership type training, those are great reasons to have a meeting. And that's one of the things that we often do as well is we'll get together our staff. We do have a standing monthly meeting, but we use it for brainstorming and training. So we're using it to continually update our skill set. And that's a really good investment of time. And then finally, a great way, a great reason to run a meeting is to make a decision. If a decision needs to be made on something and there are a couple of key players or maybe there's a whole group of key players that need to be bought into that decision or need to be present in order to dialogue through the different options and to make a case for something one way or the other, then by all means, have the meeting and and have that conversation and make that decision. So brainstorming, training, making a decision, have the meeting. If it's just for information sharing or just having a meeting to have a meeting. No, find a better way to get the information to people or at least consider doing that a different way and try out a couple of options or test it a few different ways and see what works. Because it's not just about that meeting time. It's also the real opportunity cost of staff time. And this is something I've had the privilege over the years to work with the aerospace industry. And one thing, one great lesson that I've always taken away from them is, you know, they uh, for government contracts and all that have to bill all their hours. And so they're very much aware of how much time is spent in meetings because all of that time and resources has to be billed. And so one thing to do if you really want to make this real for yourself and your organization is approximate an average of everyone's salaries in the room 
and divide that number by 260, that would be the amount of, 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 uh, of money your organization is investing in that person each day, about 260 working days a year, give or take. And then, uh, and then see, you know, hourly, how much time is it costing you to pay people to sit in a meeting? And you might say, well, that's, you know, however many dollars an hour, uh, that's not a lot. But if you get 20 people in the room, that's times 20. So that's starting to become a pretty big investment of time and organizational resources and real cost to the organization that people not only is direct cost, but is also going to impact people's ability to be productive in other ways. You get 20 people in the room, you have just taken 20 hours of work away from the organization and other places. Are, is there a time and a reason for do, to do that? Absolutely, for all the reasons I just mentioned. But if it's just because we have the 10 a.m. meeting this Friday and we need to have a staff meeting this Friday, that may not be the reason to do it. So that's, that's the first best practice. Determine if the meeting even needs to be held at all. Secondly, assuming you have made that determination, have written or understood guidelines on communication, technology, decision-making, and just overall culture of how your meetings work. And this is somewhere where some organizations have this fairly well scripted out. But in my experience, even the organizations that have these policies and procedures on the walls and have figured all this out, supposedly, uh, in reality, when you actually get and sit in the meetings, which I've, I've done many times, people don't follow a lot of those policies and procedures. So this is where what you do as the leader, leading, facilitating that meeting, makes a huge difference in how people communicate with each other and how they dialogue with each other and how they make decisions. And so some of the things that I would always want to do as a leader, especially if taking on a new role or maybe starting up a meeting or getting people together, is to have some of those conversations in advance. So the first time that group got together of, you know, what do what are we going to do when we get off task at a meeting? Because that is a huge problem in a lot of meetings. You know, how are we going to capture what's decided or what the next actions are going to be? Does it mean someone's going to take notes? Does that mean the facilitator is going to um, record everything and send out that email afterwards? Um, what rules are we going to have around the use of technology during the meetings? Are we going to have slides? Do we even need slides? Are we going to allow people to be on a phone if they need to be? Are we going to have people uh, put their phones into a basket when they walk into the room? I've seen all of those things happen. And depending on your organization and what you think is going to be effective and what the other people around you think is going to be effective may dictate what you do with that. And I've seen those things work very well, and I've seen those things work very poorly depending on the organization and the people involved. Um, do you need to have a PowerPoint display and, and slides up, or could you just have a one-on-one -on -one dialogue with a good agenda uh, set, us, set aside? And so have those guidelines in advance. Now, if you have those guidelines in your organization already, my challenge to you would be take a look at those guidelines and see which ones you think your meetings are really following, and are they serving you well? And if they are, great, keep doing them. And what is on that list that you aren't doing as, at least in your meetings, and make a commitment to have a dialogue about that prior to the next meeting. And it can be just an item on your agenda. Meeting management. Here's something I noticed that's on our meeting corporate meeting management suggestions that we haven't been doing. And so here's why I think it'd be valuable to incorporate it. Let's talk about how we can make it happen. 
If you made that commitment and started implementing that in your meetings, you'll probably see some good things happen from that right away. So that's number two, have a written or understood guidelines on communication, technology, decision-making, just the culture of how your meetings are going to work. I think having that in writing is great, but I don't think that's necessary for every single organization. You may just have an understanding with people, depending on who's involved and how many, um, you know, what, how the meeting's going to go and how we're going to make decisions, how things are going to work around here when we have a meeting. Okay, number three, set an agenda in advance with the topic for discussion and the end goal of the meeting, along with start and end times. This is so critical. It's it's so important to be able to let people know in advance what it is that's going to be discussed for a few reasons. One is it gives people the opportunity to um, to dialogue with you in advance of the meeting, of some of the topics you're thinking, to start doing some thinking on their own. It also gives people the chance to maybe decide that this isn't a meeting that's going to be, that they're going to be helpful in, or that's going to be a good use of their time. And that be, depending on your organization and your role, that may be something that you dialogue with people about and say, hey, does it make sense to have you involved in this meeting? Or, you know, maybe this is a meeting you skip. So that agenda in advance is really key. But but the real central reason is, is, if you're facilitating the meeting as a leader, you know exactly why you're getting people together and exactly what the goal is for the end of that meeting. Not that you necessarily know the outcome. So goal and outcome are different. So goal is deciding what you, where you want to get to. So goal may be we have a decision on this new project as how we're going to proceed with vendor A or vendor B. You don't necessarily know going into the meeting what decision is going to be made, but you know that the goal is there will be a decision at the end of the meeting. So so that having that clear end goal makes it clear as to why we're getting together and helps you to utilize your time better during the meeting. And then, of course, start and end times are really, really critical and honor those start and end times. Nobody likes being in a meeting that was supposed to go from 11 until noon, and then is still going on at 12.15 or 12.20 because it runs into people's other schedules. Uh, Usually what happens is people can't get to their next meeting and they don't process and remember what you talked about at your meeting if you're making them late for their next meeting. Uh, They don't get lunch. (laughs) They don't do a lot of the things that we know people need to do in order to be be effective in working in an organization is be able to process information and take time away and be able to uh, be able to just run their schedule effectively. So it is it is our duty as a facilitator of a meeting to start the meeting on time and end the meeting on time to the best extent we can. And and you know, are there occasions where there may be an exception to that? Sure, but the vast majority of time, if we can end a meeting on time or even end early. You know, if it's an hour meeting, you got done through the agenda in 38 minutes, get the meeting done at 38 minutes. Don't go another minute beyond that just to fill the time. That will earn trust over time with if you can utilize people's time well. Now, here's the challenge, of course, and why this never happens is because the discussion drifts. So we're talking about, are we going to work with vendor A or vendor B? And all of a sudden, uh, comes up the topic of, we haven't really addressed the situation with vendor C. All of a sudden, 15 minutes are talking about vendor C when that is not the topic of the conversation. So if the meeting discussion drifts, this is where having some of those understood guidelines on communication in advance can be helpful of you have someone who's uh, 
decide, it was the point person, and probably that should be you as the leader of calling attention to it and then deciding in the moment if you're going to address that, if it really does need to be addressed in this meeting and it's relevant to the goal of this meeting, or tabling that for a future meeting. And that goes on the next meeting's agenda if it's important. And if it's not, then it's a one-on-one conversation with that person to resolve it. So if the meeting discussion drifts, though, that's something we absolutely have to call attention to and then decide intentionally on how we are going to address that. Because you want to be able to end on time. And you know, you may even want to consider doing something creative. I've been around organizations that have done this where um, they'll start the meeting if every if the culture of the organization is to start the meeting at eleven o'clock or noon or on the hour. Um, I, I know a few leaders who have started meetings at like five or ten minutes after the hour, and their rationale for doing that is they want to give people the time to get from their previous meeting to their meeting. So when they show up, that they've had a time to like sit and think, uh, look through the agenda think about, you know, put their thoughts together. And that's one of the reasons, by the way, having that agenda in advance is so important. Um, I, I, for one, am not a good thinker on my feet. I wish that I was. I, I wish I was so much better in the moment of thinking on my feet. But I do my best thinking when I've had time to um, consider something for two or three or four days. Normally, just as an example, the podcast, uh, this show, the outline for the show, I had was putting together over a series of days. I don't do as well if I put it together last minute. It's okay, but it's not as good because I know I do my best thinking when I have time to process something. Now, not everyone's like me. Um, there are There's a whole segment of the population that thinks great on their feet and thinks out loud and loves to do it that way. But, but you know, chances are at least half the people who work with you are not those kind of people. So if you can give those people an opportunity to do some thinking in advance by setting that agenda, sending the agenda in advance, not only setting it, but sending it, um, you will give them, you will get the benefit of their wisdom and their thinking more so than you will if you surprise them with things in a meeting. Now, number four, the fourth practice to really get the most out of meetings, have everyone walk out of the room with clear action items. This is something that is so critically important, often missed in many meetings I've been a part of. And one thing I try to do consistently is anytime I'm involved with a meeting is to ensure that we're all walking away with clear action items. Even if I'm not the facilitator, I'll usually try to push to say, okay, who's, so we've talked about this, who's doing Who's going to do this particular task? Who's going to take this one on? Who's going to take that one on? Because if that conversation doesn't happen and that's not documented somehow, then what ends up happening, and I think most of us have had this happen, where we have another meeting three weeks from now and we end up rehashing, redialoguing, and redeciding all of the things that were already decided in the previous meeting. And so having people walk out with very clear action items on who's doing what, uh, or who's not doing what, if that needs to be clear too. And then some type of follow-up with documentation is really helpful. Uh, anytime I'm involved, especially with a virtual webinar, it's just so easy for people to get disengaged. And and I do more and more of those these days where I'm meeting with people who are all in all different places and doing who knows what, you know, while they're also online with the meeting because we all get distracted, our phone's sitting there, someone walks into the room or office that doesn't know we're on a call. And so I try to follow up with an email within an hour usually of, okay, here's, you know, just 
quick bullet points of what we discussed, but more importantly, here's the action items everyone agreed to. So action item for me, action item for Nathan, action item for Nancy, action item for Aaron. So there's specific action items there. And that way, it's very, very clear on who's doing what. And when we have the next meeting, we can pick up, pick up right where uh, things have moved moved to, and we can have that next brainstorm conversation or training or examine what we've done that we didn't that didn't work as effectively and make the next decision versus rehashing the same thing. So, uh, and and then of course, you know, what goes along with that is meeting notes. And I think it really is up to you as a leader in an organization of do you have someone formally taking notes in a meeting and how you're capturing that. There's so many ways to do that. Um, two ways that I found that I really like. Um, I love mind mapping. I think that that's a great way to start a conversation is where you have an idea. You put an idea on a piece of paper of, you know, here's a problem we're dealing with, or here's a brainstorm, or here's some training we need to do. And then you kind of draw lines out from it and you, you know, draw ideas. And particularly, it's helpful around brainstorming. I, anytime I'm putting something together for the first time or I'm thinking through a topic or a training or anything for a client, I'll usually put that idea right in the center of the page and then I'll start mapping out different ideas that come off of that. And it's a great way to brainstorm. So, mind mapping is a great way to capture information and get started. Um, there's wonderful, wonderful software tools out there that you can use that with. And I, I use one called MindNode. So I can use that on my computer or my iPad and just as a great of helping me to put information together. And, and also outlining is good too. And I think this is really helpful post-meeting is to have someone have create an outline, you know, how detailed it needs to be, you decide as an organization, but to outline exactly what happened and particularly the key things. Uh, you know, who was there? What was the goal of this meeting? What was the topic? What were some important things discussed? And then what was decided? And then what are the action items? Those are key things to include in all of those notes and have a system for who's going to send that out. So so those are my four. And Amy, I know you're listening out there. So here's the four. Here's the recap of the four. Uh, number one, if you want to have an effective, you know, lead an effective meeting is determine, first of all, if the meeting needs to be held at all. Is this a meeting that could be, the information could get out a different way? Um, but if it's for brainstorming, training, or you need to make a decision, okay, go forward. Number two, have written or understood guidelines on communication, technology, decision-making, and overall culture of how your meetings are going to run. If you have that already, check that out, see, what you're, uh, see what's working for you, and also see what isn't. And if you don't have that, create it. You decide there's no right or wrong that has to be on any of these, but what should happen is you should have some dialogue around all of these areas and figure out what's going to work for your team, your group. Number three, set and send an agenda in advance with the topic for discussion and the end goal of the meeting. Again, with those start and end times too, and make sure to honor those. And then finally, number four, have everyone walk out of the room with clear action items. And the, the extent that you can get that documented and send that out in advance, all the better. So here's my question for you this week, because this is four that I found that have been really helpful, but I know that there are people listening right now, maybe even you, that you have a best practice that has helped you to really run an effective meeting. So I would love to know what's a best practice you've discovered for leading effective meetings, send it over to me or post it as a comment on the show notes. And uh, depending on what I get back, we may even do a follow-up episode to this show 
and share some of the wisdom from the community. I think that would be a lot of fun. So if um, so, what's the best practice you've discovered for leading effective meetings? So you can join the conversation by going to the show notes for this episode and commenting on the bottom of the show notes. And the way to get there is to go to coachingforleaders.com slash 128. That'll take you right to the notes for this episode. Now, if you have a comment, question, or feedback that's unrelated to this episode, or maybe just more general in nature, maybe you have a question for a future show like John did about meeting management a few weeks ago, I would also love to hear that as well. And I would love to get connected and engaged with you. So if that is of interest to you, go to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback, and you will see all the information there on best ways that you can get connected with me and to get feedback my way. And I always love getting audio feedback because I love being able to incorporate your voices on the show. And I think the more that community members are here on the show, uh, the better. And I just love to do that. So uh, so do that as well if you feel led to. And then of course, uh, the old traditional phone number is always great too. And you can leave audio feedback there as well. 949-38-LEARN is how to do that. Hey, I do want to say thank you this week to a number of community members out there who have joined the weekly update. And that is this week, Kimberly Dye, John Orlando, Chad McCallum, Daniela Abella, Jonathan Kemp, Carol Martino, Anurag Mishira, John Cramp, and Andrew Teo. Thank you so much for subscribing to the weekly update. I publish an email each Wednesday that will give you a booster shot between shows on how to lead better and give you some actionable advice on how to improve one of these big three areas that I hit on here in the show each week, communication, human relations, or personal productivity. Plus, you'll also get the notes from this show. So <laughs> trying to practice what I preach here, have you walk out with some action items, that gets to you every Wednesday. So if you'd like to get the notes from that I'm using and using for the shows, uh, if you'd like to get that in your inbox, just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And you'll also get instant access to my video overview and a downloadable guide on the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others. And a number of those books have some great ideas on meeting management as well. So check that out, coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. Hey, I hope you have a fantastic week. And as always, if there's anything I can do to be helpful to you, please do reach out coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. Have a great week and I'll talk to you next Monday.